praise Dionysus. Oh, oh. <laughs> right. Oh, James, you're here. Sorry, I was working <laughs> I on my debut single. Had a jingle. Okay. <laughs> oh, a single. A single, a single jingle. I'm gonna go on tour. Do you want to come? Could you go now? <laughs> I need a guy to plug my microphone in. <laughs> I'll plug something else in, baby. Oh, oh sexy, sexual. Sexy. Let's do the um, intro. The introduction. Yes. So, welcome to Praise Dionysus. This week we are talking about Monash Uni. <laughs> go again, Jack. We're doing Monash Uni Student Theatre's production of Tartuffe. We're doing Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella at the Regent Theatre, and we are doing Brighton Theatre Company's production of Torch Song by Harvey Firestein. Uh, praise Dionysus! Praise him! Praise him! Hi. <laughs> Hello. How, hi. Hi, Jake. <laughs> hi. How you doing? I'm great. I'm actually, yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. What That's did you good. just reflect upon? I just thought about, <laughs> am I great? And then I thought, this is not the time and space to really unpack life, is it? Oh, well, I don't know. What sort of stuff do you want to unpack? What are the box labeled like? I think I'm worried I open the box and there's just nothing inside it. Um, oh. <laughs> this <laughs> Metaphorically meaning what? <laughs> Take it as you will. I don't know if I can without calling someone that needs to take you away Blanche de Blanche No, no, style. no. But you are Blanche. <laughs> you are in that chair. Do you want to hear a joke? Uh, mm, yes. Great. I made this joke up recently. It mm. got a lot of laughs. Everyone loved it. We're this all... had best not be one of your jokes that take a week to tell. No, God, no. No, it's a very, it's a very short one. That's what's so good about it. Um, <laughs> what did the small bitter stone fruit say when it got shot? Small bitter stone fruit. Mm-hmm. When it got shot. My brain is just suggesting nectarine with an exclamation mark at the end, but that can't be the yeah, answer. Yeah, the answer is nectarine! <laughs> no, it's... No, no, no. The small bit of stone fruit said, Now nah, it's alright, I'll live. Now nah, it's alright, I'll live. I'll live. By that logic, if you were to get shot, yep. and I asked, are you okay? Yep. You would say, now I'm right, James. <laughs> well, no, he's saying, I'll or live. Person. Like, he's saying, I'll live. Oh, but he happens to also... Be an olive. So he is also an olive. Yes, the olive just says, it's alright, olive, and it sounds like olive. Right, so he's just saying, I'll live, but it's funny to those around him, because they're like, also, he's an olive, yes. and that sounds like what he just said. You have just unpacked <laughs> the joke, yes. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't realise that we were, this joke was taking place no. inside Sausage Party, that's... a much-loved film. <laughs> Nick Kroll plays a douche. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> Summer Hayek plays, like, a pita bread. <laughs> oh, she does. <laughs> And there's like, isn't there like briefly like a German bratwurst Hitler? Oh God. I think there's like a... a I like didn't a, a, get that far into the movie. No, I don't think it's a character. I think it's like a throwaway moment. But it's like, they very notably put that character in, in there. In the Sausage Party universe, there was a Holocaust. In the Sausage Party universe, there is the very least like a Hitler. So it's, it's possibly pre-Holocaust. Uh, it definitely looked like he was on the up. God. Yeah. Food hasn't learned from our mistakes? No, apparently not. Oh. Okay. Did not expect uh, to be speaking about um, sausage party. Sausage party. No, so much. no. <laughs> okay, moving on. Interesting. Uh, yeah. How, how was your week, Jake? Rating My on, week. Uh, yeah, five stars. Give me a rating. Give me a go. Rating. Uh, I'm gonna give this week sixteen stars out of oh. five. Mm. Don't right. know why that number just came to me. Sweet uh, sixteen. Sweet baby. sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been super alright. I've just been working a lot. Honestly, mm. it's just been like, uh, which yes. I feel like is oh, I don't know. It feels like always a dull contribution to a conversation, of, especially a week summary. You know, just making money because of capitalism. Yeah. I, People need to eat. It's the sort of thing where it's like I have very much just like just been at work. The sort of thing where it's like I just sleep between going back to that Mexican restaurant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! Hooray! Um, which uh. feels a bit stupid. My brain has definitely. Done 
done the thing where it's like shifted into that shape where it's like, in order to survive this time, like timetable, it has to kind of like put to sleep the parts of my brain that require anything that don't exist inside of a Mexican restaurant. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> and like once those like, you know, those neurons wake up again, I'll be like, oh my God. And it's like, I may have like blacked out this so period you're of doing, my life. You're doing, you're doing severance. Um, oh, I refuse you're to doing watch that severance. show. I haven't I, watched that show. I really want to watch that show. But okay. you're doing the premise of severance. Perhaps. Perhaps. That is the premise of I don't know, but someone was describing severance to me the other day, and it seems like it's very, like, tense and complicated, and they're doing the thing where they, like, drip-feed you information about the function of the world. And I thought it was going to be much more of just, like, a short film energy that gets overextended and then... No, it looks like it very much has, like, an overarching sinister plot. Oh, God. Yeah, so yeah. many sinister plots. Where is, yeah. where's the, like, the fun, secretive, like, oh, we just want everyone to be happy plot? You know, a plot where the big outcome at the end is it's Ed Harris in a big white room being like, I just wanted people to smile. Oh, wait, that is something, isn't it? Hasn't he done that? Now describing it. He's in Snowpiercer. He's at the end of Snowpiercer. Yes, and The Truman Show. Oh, but in yeah, neither he of those. That. Well, I guess debatably. There's two movies where he turns out to be like the big secret man in the room. Uh, weren't you part of the discourse surrounding Ed Harris? Like, because you were so into Snowpiercer, I thought you were one of the people that was bringing this to like dinner party conversation, being like, Ed Harris is. That they're always just God in these concept films. No, I've never done that. That's um, not you. Okay. I do love Snowpiercer, and I do love his contribution to that. I do love the theory that he is an old Willy Wonka. Have uh, you seen this theory that the the Ed Harris, the the driver of the Snowpiercer yep. train, is Willy? It's Wonka. not Willy Wonka. He's Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So Charlie, oh God, is this a long? It, it would be. I can't go into it now. There's <laughs> sure. a really, there's a really, really great YouTube essay that sounds stupid and laughable, but it's also like. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> this movie is a sequel to Willy Wonka. <laughs> I never saw the original Willy Wonka, but I really liked the Johnny Depp one. Same! I love the Johnny Depp one. Yeah. I, I mean, I have seen the original because, you know, I'm a genius. But I love uh, the uh, Johnny Depp in that Willy Wonka movie. Yeah. Good stuff. We should not talk about Johnny Depp because we are yet to see how that trial's going This go. is a murky, <laughs> difficult time to make big calls about... <laughs> Johnny Depp, who may be good, he may be bad, yes. and we're not going to cast him no, now. Not endorsing a thing about him, or good for him, he really is a victim of his situation. Um, <laughs> so 16 stars is what you have to say. <laughs> 16 stars. I had this moment, um, it was, it's the second time this has happened, with Beautiful Canadian Man. Mm. He <laughs> brought up... <laughs> I'm trying to do some growing. A, <laughs> <laughs> that's not what he brought up. He wasn't like, oh, Jake, you sure are tall today. Which was a that really was good... Irish. <laughs> getting worse at You're accents. getting worse at accents. Um, no, but he's pointed out for the second time, Jake, you're really good at bringing up when there's an issue, talking about it. And That is famously not something you're good at. James, that's never been a quality <laughs> of mine. never been your situation. But it was like, something about me lately... He's brought it up as one of my strengths. Wow. Is that when there's an issue... You're growing. I initiate a conversation about it and solve it. Is that just because... So well, many people, it, but at least we know it's an so issue. So many friends in your life who are close to you are telling you, Jake, <laughs> just talk about it. Um, a little, yeah, good, <laughs> a little, but like especially when it comes to yeah, more of like the one-on-one yeah, -on -one intricacy confusions. Mm. It's like, and it's been great because it's also the thing too of like, otherwise, as again, is a pattern of mine too. You just let something be bad. You wallow. I don't wallow like a hippopotamus. <laughs> Wanting to seem like, oh, good, I'm miserable. Let me just sit in this for a bit and roll around gleefully. Yeah, true. Yes, but trying to be happy is too exhausting. <laughs> it is. I guess I'll just hate myself. Yeah, good. Yeah, but yeah, no, taking proactivity and initiating conversations that eventuate in at least being closer to reality as opposed to what I extrapolate from nonsense and then determine is misery. That sounds more like seventeen stars. So, oh, you're right. Actually, yeah. You know what? I will. I will bump it up. Bump it up. Seventeen stars. 
Yeah. There we go. Anyway, sorry I didn't mean to fall into that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Sounds like you're you're falling into the falling into the wallowing pit. I'm not falling into the wallow. I'm avoiding the wallowing pit because I'm growing. What's the opposite of wallowing? Thriving. No, well, wallowing. If we're wallowing is hippopotamus like wallowing style. Your hippopotamus. Yeah, yeah. In in dirty shit. <laughs> dirty, dirty shit. So if if instead of a hippopotamus rolling around in garbage, you're like a sprightly little zebra. Frolicking towards... Frolicking. Frolicking. Wallowing and frolicking. You'll be wallowing and frolicking, I right? I so. Frolicking. Frolicking. So you're frolicking. I'm trying. Look at you, you big fag. Because <laughs> <laughs> frolicking. Anyway. Well, I have to say that, right? So, uh, James. Hello. How's your week been? Out of five stars? Uh, my week has been terrific. Uh, it's been good. Uh, I also have a very similar answer in that I've just been working. Mm. Um, I just started. Go- I'm going full time with my job, which mm-hmm. is very exciting. So I'm, I'm, I did my first five days because originally I had Friday, Saturday, Sunday off as a regular week, which was insane. But I'm also realizing I did nothing with my three days off. Mm-hmm. I don't go out and I don't party and mm. I don't do anything. So I'm like, I'm just gonna work the full time and make instead of writing the great Australian novel. Three days off. That's all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> to make a good novel in Australia, baby, you only need two days. Oh my oh. god. Take that literary oh. community of Australia. Oh! Oh! Yeah, so I have been working and it's been fun. Um, I'm enjoying the job. I hung out with Flynn, who I don't need you to make a joke about. But you're going to have to explain because I'm unsure of who that is. Who is this for? Who's what? Who is this for? Who is... Like, what is this bit? What, what is this bit that you I'm do? Like, on no one knows who Flynn to. is. Okay. I... Flynn is my boyfriend. Ah! <laughs> Cute! <laughs> I hate you. Ah. Uh, so, we hung... I don't hate you, Jake. I, I feel like I've got, to, I've got to stop saying the word hate as a joke. And here I am confronting that. I don't hate you. Look at us growing. Growing. Growth. Growing. Growth. Frolicking. Like a zebra. Like two fags in the savannah. Oh. <laughs> um, yes, that's been good. It's too hot here. <laughs> Sandy! <laughs> I want to go to Cali. Okay, that was two. That was the... Okay. Um, yeah. So I give it a rating. Um, one star. But it's a really, really big star. It's the sun! It's the sun. <laughs> I give my rate my week the sun. <laughs> Out of five. Out of five. Yeah, good. Hooray! Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, let's talk about goddamn theatre. I guess we shall. Alright. James, I went to Clayton again. No! You gotta (laughs) stop going to Clayton. I tried to describe it to a person the other day as a suburb. And I just found myself getting frustrated. Why is it all the way over there? But like... Okay, where is Clayton though? Exactly. <clears throat> to me, I've been it's there not before. that far away. It's near Huntingdale. Again, made up. I don't know. And Huntingdale. I used what to did know he? It. What did he do? I don't know. I used to know a Dale, and I killed him. <laughs> <laughs> and they named a suburb. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I guess it's similar to Burwood. I guess it's these like big. Is Huntingdale suburbs, right next to Killing Eve? Oh, which I still need to finish. I just can't. No, get you don't. There. I oh, no, I do for the you know. I'll the... spoil it for you. They killed her. I assume, because that's the title of the show. I haven't god, actually seen it. I need to finish this and I'll get back to you about how it actually ends. But my god, this last season is difficult to get through. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, no. Clayton exists. There's a university there. It's called Monash. I went there because they have a student theatre. I feel like we've done all of this on another episode. So carry on. Done what? <laughs> Ex- explained that there's a student theatre at Monash University. Yes. Yeah. And then, so went there to see Tartuffe. Bless you. Thank you. Do you know anything about Tartuffe as a play? No. I think, like, the name rings bells in the back of my head, but I have no idea why. Sure. Yeah, well, it's by, it's by Moliere. 
one of my favorite things about having seen this show is the fact that now I have to. It's an excuse to bring up Moliere with people. Moliere, I hardly know where. Oh, oh. nectarine. <laughs> <laughs> Good, you need to keep that first part in now. <laughs> Gross. Carry on. Uh, yeah, so they were doing Moliere's tattoo. They adapted it. So Celeste sure. Cody directed and like had a heavy hand in adapting this play. How so, heavy was her hand? Uh, no, no, I have um, to... Moliere, okay. like, when was he a Moliere person? Moliere was Moliere during the 1600s. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, 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 no. And so he was, like, renowned for... Uh, what was he even renowned for? I'm just trying to, like, remember my understanding Silly of names. Moliere. Silly names. He was renowned for, like, comedies. So he sort of, like, he was heavily influenced by your favourite <laughs> theatre style. Comedia... Comedia Delarte. Comedia Delarte heavily influenced him. And he was, like, famous for, like... A story of him was like he would go. He had this condition where he coughed a lot, and he would go to the theater. Wouldn't bloody no 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 one bloody put up with that now, would they? With the bloody age of COVID, bloody coughing all over the place, would they bloody coughing? That's a really good point, Talkback James. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. He would go to the theater, and because of his coughing condition, he would be coughing a lot. And then he found people with more like they were more forgiving of his irritating coughing if he made the coughs funny. Which oh. seems like such an annoying thing yeah. to do. <laughs> I but, hate that person. Yeah, no, but it was part of what apparently fed into his desire to make people laugh. So How would he, he make like, the cops funny? Would he go like, try now? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That was good. If I heard that in the theatre, I'd go... <laughs> 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 All right, carry on. A little? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. So, yeah, no. There was this other story too that I like recently found about... Because I was just like, why, why does Moliere somehow exist in my heart somewhere, but I don't know why? Yeah. Literally... It might be because, in my mind, Moliere looks like, like, the doofy dad from Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah, yeah, you played by the, the Guy Anthony? Wig. No, Guy, yeah, yeah, he was also the, um, High Scepter or something in Game of Thrones. He's a sparrow, that, High Sparrow. That yeah, guy. Yeah. He's great. He's that guy with his big curly judge Big curly wig. hair. And yes. then he's in that bit in, like, the third movie when, like, he's clearly dead and he's in that boat and he's like, Hello, my daughter! I'm dead. And the daughter's like, no. The writing didn't get stronger in that <laughs> franchise, did it? <laughs> went the other way. And does Selma Hayek of Peter Bread fame end up being in the fourth one? Or is that... Uh, Selma Hayek... Uh, no, I think Penelope Cruz is in the fourth one. It's Penelope one. Cruz. Yeah, because she plays Blackbeard's daughter, I think. Oh, yes. Or Blackbeard's, like, sexy first person. I don't know. Sexy first person. First person. That's the one where they go to the fountain Oh, like a youth. first mate. First mate, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. First okay. non-gender specific person. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. The pirates are very accepting. <laughs> um, yeah, there was a, this thing that happened. So, like, uh, uh, still talking about Moliere. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not pirates of the Caribbean anymore. <laughs> we moved on. Um, yeah, he did. He was like Louis the which Louis was it? It was Louis the Fourteenth. Yeah, right. Louis the Fourteenth was like into Moliere's work, sort of. And then like, there was a thing where like Moliere presented one of his plays. The play was quite good. The king liked it. But then a bunch of people were like, he stole that play with really no evidence. And then what? Moliere then did was like he wrote a play about like petty theatre discourse so he was very much like turning stuff that like was happening around him into theatre around him and like sort of like heightening the characters and the behaviour in order to sort of say something about the immediate context of the day so that sounds pretty cool yeah yeah which is kind of moliere but yeah um, yeah so in that sort of like in that spirit they've adapted Tartuffe to not necessarily, even like while I was watching it, knowing these things, I was like, oh, is this trying to say anything super specific about today? Um, and it didn't seem especially like it was, which is fine, because like, as we'll sort of get to, I'm sure, of like what the point of student theatre is, uh-huh. as opposed to, you know, just like, like I don't know, normal theatre. <laughs> well, there, there is a difference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, like what, and what the difference in those, like the implicit intent of that as a genre of theatre, I suppose. Anyway, yeah. So, Tartuffe. The plot, essentially, it's like... And I'll just go off what was conveyed in this adaptation of Tartuffe. Yeah. Which, from my memory of the text, is quite loyal to at least the structure of it. It's like, 
this wealthy family in this beautiful house. There's this guy called Tartuffe. They did that thing that I've brought up before, which I super duper love, when there's like <laughs> so many scenes being like, here he comes. <laughs> He's on his way. Tartuffe. We can't talk about Tartuffe. Literally, it's just like different people being like, oh, that Tartuffe. Oh, I want to fuck that guy. Well, he really wrote it. He wrote himself into this story as a sexy person. Did he? <laughs> no, Moliere and Tartuffe are not the same. Is that what you're suggesting? Oh, I thought I, for a second I thought it was Tartuffe Moliere. Oh <laughs> uh, no. Okay, carry on. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm the dumb one. Tartuffe is a character in Tartuffe by yes, Moliere. Yes, carry on. Yes, now yes, it yes. all clicks. My brain uh, didn't uh, quite keep up with you. Yes, and remember Moliere looks like the dad from yes, Pirates of the no, Caribbean. He's, he's still a part of the Caribbean man in my head. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, yeah. So it's just a bunch of people sitting around this very like wealthy entitled family who have like servants and butlers and you know just rich people just sitting around drinking okay. and they're like oh Tartuffe he's just like Tartuffe has this reputation for like having shaken up the town and like the dad in the family is very like enamoured by this man and everyone else is like oh he's pretty great like everyone's just sort of like everyone loves Tartuffe everyone loves Tartuffe except for like sort of like the sceptical kids of this like rich family it's like what's so good about Tartuffe I don't understand right okay. and yeah and then eventually really just towards the end of act one almost we finally get Tartuffe's arrival but yeah oh. there's just like a lot of build up which again super Love. into as like a plot element sure um, Why do you love that? Because I think it allows you to like concoct this person initially, which is fun, and it, it, it loads up this character so when they walk in the door, you can it, it gives you immediately something to do beyond just being like, oh, work out what they're wearing, look at their face, try to remember what their character's name is, but instead you get this wonderful thing of like, oh, I've already got all this backloaded information and now right. I can implant it into this person's body. Yeah, nice. You know? And then you almost get to do this thing of comparing your fantasy version of the person and the character to the character that you then see play out in front of you. Oh, and yeah. that too, as well, given that you've got all this information from the characters in front of you too, you get an understanding of if there's any sort of schism between what they seem to be claiming to believe about this person and then the actions you then see the character play out. Oh my goodness. You know? Didn't expect such a, a solid answer. Sure. Well, yeah. So I think, yeah, that, that's a reason that I... If you're writing a play currently, do that. Jake will love it. Jake will love it. <laughs> Say nice things about it. Um. Yeah. So yeah, just, yeah. And then what essentially then goes about happening, I'll just... I guess I'm just in the mood to like tell you the plot. Apparently it's, you are. It's not super complicated. Tajif then comes into town... The dad of the rich family is like really enamored by him to an almost homosexual extent and then ends up sort of signing the deed of his house over to Tartuffe. And then it then comes out, of course, that Tartuffe is this like real like impostery, traitorous, selfish piece of crap. And then then there's a whole thing of like, oh, we've all realized Tartuffe's terrible. And then they're like, fuck that guy. And then Tartuffe's like, this is my house now. Oh. <laughs> And yeah, and then that. they're about, then they're like the rich family's about to get ejected from their home, and then the king saves the day. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, that's part of, that's when I was like, oh, okay, they have not changed this. And then this is one very specific reading, but like, I feel like 2022, especially a bunch of like young artistic people, wouldn't consciously be like, let's make a show where the like the ruler Royalty. of the world is is like saving our hides. Yes. Because when have you experienced that? Why would you want to represent I don't that? Think they want us. I think they want us to die. You know, and it's almost like I feel like in a group of and this is me, me guessing, but like imagining if I had to like characterize young theater makers nowadays, I'd say that they'd be much more likely to side with a tattoo than they would with the king. Oh, 100% <laughs> getting in there and taking the rich people's home. Yeah. Hell yes. You know, Tartuffe's yeah. a hero. Um, yeah, so that's that. That's the plot of Tattoo. That's the plot of Tattoo, essentially. Um, yeah, so yeah, let's just. <laughs> the aesthetic, I think, was quite notable in the way that it was like. And this occurred to me maybe like halfway through. It was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, what the fuck am I looking at? Because yeah. it was very decidedly, as is often what's so charming about community and like student theatre, is like, it's seldom. Well, sometimes, but like, 
Seldom do they... And I think I prefer when they make this choice. Sorry to start this sentence three times. It's good. Seldom do they <laughs> attempt to achieve like a like a shiny, like pointy-edged MTC replication kind of like main stage looking, gleaming, also, perfect piece. Also, rarely of... they have the budget to do that. Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and sometimes striving for that can maybe look a little bit tragic, yes. you know? So they've sort of gone in the opposite direction with this, which again, super charming decision, I think, in that it kind of felt like... And this, it is, on paper, would sound insulting, but it's absolutely meant to be a positive thing. There was a juvenileness to the way that everything looked in the way of, like, it, like the set looked very sturdily built, but, like, mm. the aesthetic of it almost seemed to be as if, like... It kept giving me the feeling of, like, when 11-year-olds put on a play for their family. Yeah. It's felt like, even, like, in terms of, like, even the way that the costumes worked, it almost felt like they'd gone into the dress-up box and put on a bunch of clothes. Yeah, on paper, this... Does sound very much like an insult. But no, but it's 100% delightful because I think there was even a time where um, like a lot of them had like matching leopard print to sort of represent them all oh. being in the same family. You know, it was like these, these cute touches where it was like, oh, great. I'm glad that instead of going for like s- some type of polish, they've gone for this aesthetic. Yeah, okay. That, you know? Yeah. Like, I think there's a sweetness to it. And I think it, it kind of like nods in a direction towards student theatre and what it's capable of doing. It's like, you don't need to make all these like highfalutin grand choices in an attempt to kind of like emulate the idea of what a main stage production is supposed to be. But totally. you can speak in the language of... Like, largely the people that you are performing to, which mm. is the people the people that are in a similar boat to you, and being kind of like, you don't need to look like you've got heaps of money in order to tell a story really effectively. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, right? Which I think is kind of nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I love the leopard print. You love leopard print. I as love a, leopard as a print. print. Yeah, it's a good print. Good print. Yeah, no. Because um, it was even like Oscar Drew, who was a one of the... The, uh, really, the, it was a strong cast. It was like really one of like the standout performers. I thought who was really good at like the, the almost like focus pullingly fantastic sort of background face acting. I thought was really oh, good. Classic. But he was just wearing this like like this terrible like tartan pink fedora for most of the show. Oh, <laughs> and it was the dumbest hat I've ever seen. <laughs> but I love shout it out so- to that hat. Oh my god, that hat. <laughs> yeah, best supporting actor. Best supporting was- hat. Oh, that was a really good fucking hat. Um, I will say a thing that happened that I was grateful for. Um, so I just to backtrack to my arrival at the theater. Okay, got there too good. early. Stood in the cold. Eventually went inside. Have you ever <laughs> been? Have you ever been like an appropriate time to a show? Appropriate. Like, every time you turn up to a show, you're either way too early, mm-hmm. or it's just as doors are going in. Um, yes, you're correct. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Any other feedback? No, that's it. That's all good to say. Um, yeah. Stood in the darkness in like quack, the dark, quack. quack, quack, um, outside of the student theatre. Mm. Felt like I looked real suspicious to the people that were accumulating around me because I was like just off. I was a little bit too in the dark in like <laughs> the sort of like the light forest that is nearby to the student theatre. It's like, guys, let's not talk about it too loudly because that guy's going to kill us with an axe. But I feel like... <laughs> Brandishing my hunting knife. Yeah, so just sharpening it. <laughs> just yeah, menacingly. Like, keep it sharp. Yay! <laughs> um, yeah, eventually went inside, sat in the front row, started reading my, da- like, yeah, started reading my book. Reading your damn book. Books. <laughs> in the front row. But then what happens is because it's a student theatre, so a lot of the people coming to the show <laughs> start coming in and like talking to each other, which is fine. That's fine. Have friends. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> See if I care. I've got my book. Yeah, but I'm yeah, sitting here in the front row. They start coming in and then they start talking to another person that sat in the front row as well that they are friends with. And they refer to the front row as the danger zone. Oh no. Oh, oh no. Exactly. Oh no. And I was like, what the fuck is this now? What's the danger zone? Exactly. I was like, danger zone can only mean and then I keep trying to listen to see if they're gonna say anything more yeah. detailed about what's so dangerous about this zone that I'm clearly sitting in. Oh god. And splash zone? Like spit zone? I would be fine to sit in a splash zone, yeah. you know? I wasn't wearing anything expensive. <laughs> when are, are you? Well, oh, 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 you dirty bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um so I was like, 
what the fuck is this? And so, of course, my mind goes, and then based on the few things that they say before they keep ice skating past the conversation part about the danger zone, I was like, if I have to participate, like if me sitting innocently in this front row means that I have to like help someone juggle or like put out a fire. Or or volunteer a suggestion. Oh my God. If someone points at me and is like, what's your favorite color? And again, we've talked about this before. It was like, You'll say my favorite color is I, I like gray. Uh, gray. Again, I don't try to be disruptive. I just, I'm going to be honest with you mm. anyway. Yeah. So it was like, okay, I need to get out of this fucking seat. I need to. <laughs> so I was like, pretended to have a reason to get up. <laughs> sort of looked oh, around. Oh, no, really? You, you actually full on ejected. You, it was out. Out. A hundred percent. The I'm moment like, that somebody is, yes. They're like, oh, you're brave. I'm not no. doing that. Okay, Regardless so wh- of context. Where did you go? <laughs> where did I go? Oh, the second row. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to be too far from the action. Also, it's like the must space. It's like four rows of seats. Yeah, okay. In the current configuration, you know? And I didn't want to miss anything. But no, anyway. Yeah, no. It ended up being like so, like almost no audience participation. So my eavesdropping did not... What was anything. the audience participation they Towards did? Towards the end, Tartuffe, as he is fleeing, sort of like lies across one of them. Was so, Tartuffe sexy? I, do you want to talk about the sex appeal of Tartuffe? I want to talk about the sex appeal of all people always. Oh, As great. long as they're of age. Um, as long as they're of age. Yes. Well, it's student theatre, so they're like young university age. University um, age is fine. Tiernan McLaren played Tartuffe. Okay. Tiernan McLaren. It's a great name. I always just find it hard to say Tiernan. Tiernan. Tiernan McLaren. not a name you hear very often. No, but whenever I do, I struggle with it. You do. Yeah. He was so wonderful. Um, really, really good. Uh, as far as like the sex appeal that you're desperate to hear need about, to talk about the sex <laughs> no, no, appeal. I'm no, not going to talk about. Weird. I'm not going to be like how hot's Tiernan. <laughs> um, had the energy of not the energy of. It was like something about his portrayal towards the end of Act One, where we just sort of like started to get to know him and seeing how seductive he is. I was like, that is a young Jafar. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, interesting. Good. Yes. Good. Because I'm going to bring up Jafar later on as well. You can bring it up now. Or no, no, no. I'm you want to bring up Jafar twice. A different segment. Carry on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Young Jafar. Just like, Handsome guy, mustache. Prince Abubu. Prince Abubu. <laughs> um, yeah, I was talking last night to some people about, obviously, the gayness of Jafar. Obviously, And yes. the ridiculousness of even the idea of, like, the, the plot point of Jafar wanting to have sex with Jasmine. You need to stop, because this is all stuff that I am genuinely going to bring up in the next segment. Okay. <laughs> Don't spoil my segment. You're stepping on all my Jafar stepping material. Jafar stuff. <laughs> Carry on. I look forward to having more Jafar conversation. We can talk about it there. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, yeah, just just in like... Can you do the next bit as Jafar though? Can you talk about as Jafar for a little bit? The next bit? Just the next words you're going to say. Just talk as Jafar. I do. <laughs> I'll try. Um, so, there was something about the way that Tiernan played Tartuffe. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, uh, yeah, they just had that the, the kind of like that transparently menacing kind of tone to it. And he just also used his body in this very like snaky sex way that was just very like um i don't know it was also wearing like a mesh top for most of it oh so it was like oh what is the aesthetic you 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 mentioned the aesthetic but you didn't actually say what it was um what everyone's kind of like like, higgledy piggledy thrown together but with like a real whimsy like like, everyone's got this sort of like encircled white face paint on oh okay Um, and yeah it was like that level of like stylization interesting um yeah which is obviously kind of like Moliere in French, um, yes. at least as far as the face goes. But everything else, yeah, kind of like dress-up boxy. Gosh. Kind of like, um, yeah, everyone's like sort of like bright colours, ill-fitting, but delightful. Yeah, nice. It was kind of the look of everyone. Whereas like Tartuffe was different in the way of like, there was a real kind of like glittery, dirty sexiness to the way that he looked. Whoa. Which is just a solid aesthetic, I think. That's a great aesthetic. But yeah, and really enhanced or yeah, all the stuff that Tiernan was doing just in terms of like, it's just fun to watch someone try to play 
uh, for some reason I've just been thinking a lot, not a lot, a little bit lately about trying to like physically seem sexy. <laughs> not okay. me doing it, but like, but also me doing it in the concept of like, if I were to attempt a sexy walk. <laughs> yeah, sure. Or something. Um, what that looks like. And so Tart- his portrayal of Tartuffe was certainly like the, uh, like a very extreme version of like... What are, you, what are you considering when you think about looking sexy? You think like, is it, are, you, are, you con- are you trying to figure it out what it would look like on yourself? Or trying to figure <laughs> out like... Well, I found myself do it the other day just because I was like, it was like an eye contact moment that I had with a person. I was like, oh, the thing that I just did is, that, is a thing that I think I learned to do from movies. Oh, it was trying to look sexy as I had this eye contact moment. Uh, not on purpose, but it was even like, it was like a, like a, like a mid-walk, like a mid-stride, like eye engagement, body language moment. And it was like, oh, the thing that I just did, I learned from television or something. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, sexy. So it definitely was. It was, yeah. Hey! <laughs> anyway, um, as far as the adaptation, it was like that style, and I don't know if there's a word for it, and I don't know if any, like, if people are as... I feel like I'm just very familiar with this style of adaptation, and I don't know what the terminology would even be for it. But it was like, it was adapted in the way that it's like, it still has that feel of like, it's almost like the language version of like, you know how anytime they make a historical drama or something, everyone just has a British accent? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, like the, almost like the, the language version of that, where it's like, you know the way that people speak in an adapted old text? Because obviously like, Moliere was French, his plays yep. were French. They've yep. been translated obviously into English. This is now an adaptation of that English text. Yep. Yep. And so it has that kind of like, that familiar stiltedness of an old text. You know, right. It's not colloquial language. It's kind of like... Oh, I see that you were sitting there upon that chair staring at me in my home. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, to me, almost is like um, uh, Oscar Wilde-ish. Sure. Like, that always comes across to me as very, like... It's like I, a clean constructedness. Yes, exactly. Sure. Yeah. So, it was like... It was the style of adaptation that I think is relatively common <laughs> to experience in, like, especially, like, independent mm. theatre, where it's like that, that, that half step out of an adaptation linguistically, where it's like, it'll sound like that, but then someone will make a reference to, like something modded or there'll be like an a, iPhone like an iPhone or even just like like a, a clunky turn of phrase where it's like oh this was clearly adapted in 2022 yeah sure yeah you know as opposed to this being like, a, like an official published translation of this text um, which is neither good nor bad I guess this is what I also think about Shakespeare and stuff like that at this point it does often feel like a copy of a copy of a copy, almost. It's almost like the the adaptation of a text that was based on the original English text, which was a, a translation from... It's like, hmm. it does feel a bit like, just make new things. Sure, We don't sure. need... I don't know, I just find it weird when people do old pieces like this. And we've spoken about it before when they force mm. students to do Shakespeare. It's like, what, what, what is this for? Sure. Why, well, why, it, is student, why is student theatre making people do this old text? Sure. Well, yeah, it can obviously provide, like, a fun canvas and, like, fun things to play with. Like, based mm. on the little that I know of the process that they went through. It sounds super-duper fun. Yeah. Um, and it's one that I've gone through before as well, especially while I was studying, of, like, taking an old text that you can do truly anything with yeah, and then yeah. working together to decide what you're going to do. I mean, there are lots like, of reasons. God, that's <laughs> exciting. Because, yeah, because it gives you the material and the pieces and sometimes some stress or something to work within and that's a great sort of stimulus maybe that's why it's okay for students to do Shakespeare but no one else should well other people could no (laughs) but it's just I I find as as with any theatre though like it's nice when there's something additional to like the artists having a good time making something it's nice when it speaks to something and whether or not that comes from a place of like emotional potency or some sort of political Mm. bent you know it's nice when it engages with something beyond people in the show enjoying themselves yes and I think we've not sure if we've said this on the podcast but um 
the sort of warning that comes with hearing people say how enjoyable the process was and how much fun they had making a show. Oh, yes. Is 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 so loud. Like it's, <laughs> it just says a lot to me. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And often often if that's the only thing I hear about the show, it, it doesn't make me want to see the show. Sure. And again, this is not this is not a tattoo specific. We're no, this about. is I've moved on. We know nothing. Tartuffe. They may have headed the process. I'm sure <laughs> they did. No, I don't know. Um no, that's just that's just an off the cuff comment. Mm, um, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, anyway, yeah, getting back to the idea of like contemporary adaptations. Because it seemed like and this is a guess, but it seemed like everyone in the show was kind of like around the age of twenty. And there was something that I'm sure was like a deliberate thing that Celeste Cody and the, the cast and everyone came is up. As with. in the cast or the characters? Uh, the cast is yeah, like yeah, yeah. 20-ish yep. it seemed um, but yeah but there's even like the style of comedy and the performances and the way that everything played out felt and this will make me sound 74 but it felt <laughs> like meme and like TikTok-y oh in like in a way that and again makes me sound haggard like is this the future? <laughs> oh it, do you, what, in can, the way, can you give an example of what you mean? in the way of like and maybe this also comes to a little bit as well the the intent and point of student theatre mm. and how that's a separate genre to theatre in the way of like that thing where and I feel like was this born of emojis the thing of like a guy who wants to have sex with you yeah. putting his pointer fingers together and like swiggling one of his feet around on the ground they didn't do that and like looking they? up from under his sexy eyebrows no they didn't do that did they I, that's they did a TikTok it. that's not that's, that, that is like yeah yeah that I, you, we, we can't visually show you this thing but that is very much but like But you kind a, of look mopey oh, 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 and you put your fingers oh, together. I don't know what to do. Oh. That. They did that two, <clears throat> they, they did it two times and they oh. were the recognisable moments where it sort of woke me up to like, oh, this feels like it's like, it, this is like a like a Gen Z language or oh, something. Oh no, that's um, so Oh, I don't mean to fill that. you with dread. It's no, just, it's, it's happened. It's interesting in the way of like, it felt, and then that then kind of like coloured my understanding of the choices that they made, like directorial and, and like performatively. Like it seemed like, the style of comedy that was at play, and even when they would get uh, like stuck into like a conversation or like what like a lot of monologue conversation, like even when it wasn't monologues, it was a lot of one person talking a lot and the other person being kind of like, huh, what do you mean? Huh? Yeah, 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 um, right. And the monologues themselves, like, and this comes down to the style and and the adaptation, but it was like it was seldom like I, I would say debatably never, and maybe this is a simplistic way to come at talking about style. There was such a lack of naturalism in the heightened way that they were performing yeah. that for some reason, and maybe because it was littered with these like meme moments or something, like it seemed Meme-me like goodness. it seemed like it, it did feel like it felt like a style of comedy that was learned from the internet. Yeah, and but th- this is the thing: seeing young people do student theatre now is the first sort of time that I go, "Oh, I'm not in it anymore." Like I don't, <laughs> I don't get this. Sure, like this is not for me. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, which, which is kind of like equal parts existentially terrifying. And also like, this is theatre happening and, and it's moving on and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's growing and evolving and there's going to be a new generation of but people. But it is interesting to see the internet influence yeah. theatre making so much. It is interesting. Because that, 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 the two fingers together thing should not exist outside of... <laughs> A screen that should not sure. exist on a stage. Sure, sure, but it got a response from the audience. Like it was, it was the right for the crowd that was there. Oh no! And yeah, with obviously j- trying not to like seeing all the things you're saying and seeing the the, the this new style of voice that it feels somehow generational, mm. and obviously trying never to do the like the the knee jerk response of like, oh, that's different, so I'm scared of it and I hate yeah, it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, something about 
And I don't know. And I'm hoping this isn't just coming from a place of like unfamiliarity with like people in their late teens. But I wonder to what extent, and I've seen this kind of like portrayed in a number of ways in different media. And this gulf that, again, that the algorithms are trying to insist exists between like millennials and Gen Z people. But with the, like the emerging people that I encounter mostly online and sometimes at the theater of that generation, there's a level of like almost like nihilism and Mm. cool disinterest. And maybe I'm wrong to say that, that is sort of like that kind of characterizes the generation the way that, and I'd say it absolutely makes sense. Like they're growing up in a world that is ending around them and it's led by people that don't seem to care about that. That's what I was about to say. And it's like, yeah, it's like, why should I give a fuck about anything? Mm. Which, which is something. But then you turn to something like theatre, which in my mind at least, hinges, and maybe it's about taste, hinges on a level of necessary earnestness and sincerity and a belief in the necessity of, of art. Yeah. Well, well, well like, I guess, what, what is your point? What are you to, trying to, to say? To, to make a piece of art that is so of the voice of those contained within it and those people being around the age of 20 and their generation, in my mind at least, being somewhat characterised by a flippancy and a frivolousness and a disinterest to then turn to making something as romantic as theatre, which maybe is an old mindset. I think that's a your view because I don't think theatre necessarily is romantic or like like sort of needs to romanticise what it's talking about. I don't think it needs to romanticise anything, but I think it as a practice is romantic in that it believes that there is something inherently valuable and human about storytelling. Sure, sure. But the stories they're telling, I think, are more of... Like the voice that they're using to tell those stories doesn't change the fact that they believe that storytelling is important. Well, in a way, isn't like the medium the message? Like, it's almost like the act of making theatre inherently comes loaded with it, the belief that storytelling is worth doing. Like, yeah. to tell a story... And like, it's almost that thing of, like, if you're going to adapt a play, as I've seen happen on main stages, you can't, like, stage an old text that seems to be spending a lot of its stage time making fun of how old the text was. Yeah. Like, you can't make a piece of theatre that inherent in its voice is the belief that things aren't worthwhile. Because to make theatre is such a right. gesture of the significance of its content and the human condition in itself. So there's something interesting and kind of like, there's a strange friction that exists when it's like theater staged by people who don't care about anything, which is not to say that's what Tartuffe is, but this is what I started thinking about. Yeah, yeah no, of like, I'm with you. Know, you. Fuck everything. Let's put on a play. It's like that, <laughs> that gesture of putting on a play it requires a degree of giving a fuckedness. I don't know about that. I okay. don't know about that. I think to put on a show and using that voice to express how much of a fuckedness you don't give. Like, you know, to be like, why should we... That's a lot of we... fucks to give. Yeah, but... It's a play. They don't yeah. just fall out of you. <laughs> Tweets do. <laughs> Tweets need to be stopped. Um, no, but I think, like, isn't that the point of the show? That, 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 not, this, we're not talking about Tartuffe. Isn't that the point of what that voice is about? Like, like, isn't that the point to be like, everything's fucked... Look at how fucked it is. It's all fucked. Isn't that just it? That's yeah, maybe. it. That's all it is. And that's the thing. And I think that's why part of me is really excited about seeing what, the, yeah, this upcoming generation of artists does with the things that they want to say. I think it's also a classic thing of like language, not not only language changes and voices change, but like the way we sort of uh, compute that information changes. Like theatre will mean an entirely different thing to us as it meant to people a hundred years ago. And it'll mean completely different things to people in a hundred years. Mm. And maybe this is just one of those minutia changes of like what theatre actually is as the internet is more on the rise and things like that yeah. theatre becomes less necessary oh my god which, which I, th- I think is that a thing you think? I definitely think that I think theatre is still necessary but I think it's not as necessary as it used to be because we have the internet I, I genuinely think that I think 
the internet connects people in such a way that you don't need to come together. Whereas a hundred years ago, coming together to watch a show was one of the only ways you could sort of have that sort of storytelling entertainment, have that sort of connection with people around you. But that can be done. And after two years of lockdown, I think that'll change the way students put on shows a lot because they did spend so much time on the internet and in lockdown and not able to see their friends. You know, I, I, sure. this is turning into a depressing conversation. No, no, but... okay, that's interesting. We really disagree on this. And we that's do, exciting we do. to me. We'll come we back really to do. it. Okay, this will be a conversation that we continue to have, I think. Yeah. Great. No, I think, um, we, yeah, that's interesting. We do have very different opposing ideas of what theatre is and how what it means to people. And, and the future of it. The future of it. <laughs> and we're going to unpack it all anyway, next episode. Yes, anyway, I'm just going to like very quickly just yeah. say that, yeah, again, Oscar Drew was super fantastic. I just thought he was like really, really delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, to say Tian and McLaren, maybe not clearly. Tian and McLaren, yep. I thought was quite remarkable as our turf. And also Piper Knight, who didn't have a... Like a Piper Knight. Piper Knight. Great name. Um, yeah, she was playing, yeah, Valer, I believe was the name of the character. And it was just one of those things where it's like, you almost forget that she's in the show. <laughs> she pops up and it's like fuck yes oh. you're back <laughs> anyway yeah Tartuffe um, maybe consider as as me and Sam Porter have decided to we're going to get into a bit of Moliere <laughs> so come on that journey with us from the comfort of your own home cute read some Moliere do you see it with Sam Porter no but me and Sam Porter are talking about Moliere at the moment okay. anyway <laughs> la 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 ah. Jake oh Yes, Jake, tiny woman. <laughs> it's me, your fairy godmother. Oh, I don't know if you can say that term. Continue. I said fag on this episode. <laughs> you take offense to fairy godmother? Yes. <laughs> why are you doing the voice now? Because oh, God, I'm swine your fairy godmother. <laughs> wait, wait. Want to make out? <laughs> can I make out with you? <laughs> fairy on fairy action. <laughs> That was the entire premise of Cinderella. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone listening at home. Um, this is where we read our porn versions of the fairly odd parents to each other. <laughs> no comment. Um, yeah, so uh, I saw Cinderella at the the Regent Theatre. What was she doing? Cinderella. You saw her at the Regent Theatre. What was she doing? <laughs> she was putting on a show, Jake. Uh, directed by Josh Rhodes, who also choreographed. Which I think is interesting. That is interesting. Tells you a lot about how important dance was to this show. This show wasn't made for me. It oh. wasn't made for you. It was made... It, it's Cinderella. It's for children and it's for for, for mothers that want to connect with their daughters. Like, you know, it's... Well, when are you saying that? Because it's obviously Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. This is Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Are you saying so this production? This production. Not... I, 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 I... It wasn't made for me. It wasn't made for me. Okay. I, I have to just... I'm I, excited to hear why. I think part of it is... <laughs> And I think part of it is I have been ruined, and I think a lot of people my age have been ruined mm. by gritty reimaginings and dark reboots. Quack, quack. 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 Um, like Riverdale's, like the, uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, like all these mm. um, dark, quack, quack, imaginings of shows mm. and, and Brothers Grimm fairy tales being, gro- Brothers Grimm fairy tales being retold as evil and sinister as you can possibly do them. Okay. So when I go and see a production... Sorry, we, oh, so this is... You're about to describe how we were ruined? Yeah. Okay, when I right. go and see a production of Cinderella, and yeah. it is just a Dan Tootin original recipe mm. Cinderella, Rodgers and Hammerstein, mm. on stage, yeah. a fairy tale, every moment of me is going... When's the prince going to turn out to be evil? When, oh. when is this going to turn out to be evil? When, when is this going to... What's going to... Why is it so bright? Why is it so happy? Why are they all talking about joy and kindness? I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I can't watch these sorts of shows anymore. I think I can't do it without being 
ready for the next dark, quite, quite gritty turn. God. Yeah. Because contemporary adaptations have taught you not to be able to digest things that sweet. That's sweet and that's simple. It's a simple story. It's mm. Cinderella. Yeah. Um, and I think... So, so, so... This production of Cinderella, the story is more or less exactly the same as the original Rodgers and Hammerstein, except it is an adaptation where they decided to make Cinderella more woke. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I mean in the way that she tries to get the prince to help the poor people. Oh, like in Ever After. Like, I guess so. Yeah, I can't remember seeing Ever After. Oh, uh, yeah, Drew Barrymore reads Utopia, which is a really good book that you should read. And then, yeah, there's that scene where she stops the prince in the town square and she's like, oh, which is like a direct quote from Utopia where she mm. was like, oh, you've like you've made a system where the poor people don't have anything and then when the poor people try to steal things, you then punish them for it. It's like, it's, and she says, it's like, oh, you like make a beast and then you get mad when it stomps on a bunch of houses. It's something like that. See, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. This was more, there's a random character they've added named Jean-Michel, I think, yeah. who works literally in a soup kitchen. Yeah. Uh, who who reads all this literature and is trying to sort of petition. He's out on the steps in front of the palace um, leading uh, rallies. Like Ella Enchanted. Like, uh, okay, sounds like this may <laughs> have just been a ripoff of Ella Enchanted. No, and Ever After. But uh, as you've said, Cinderella's been done so many times. So that's that, and that's the thing. Yeah. So they added in that, and I, I, I think, the, yeah, the writing was very simple, which is fine because it was for children. Mm. Um, but there was a part, okay, I don't, this is not going to be in any particular order. The, the, the start of it, the evil stepmother, who of course everyone loves, I loved, it's mm. the evil stepmother. Yeah. Um, so she comes out and she rips up this coat that's hanging on the side of the of the house. And Cinderella's like, no, that's my father's. It's all I have left of him. Mm. And it was like this moment of, oh, that's horrible. Then we never hear about the father again. We don't hear about the father. Cinderella doesn't have a moment of, I wish my father was still here. And we never meet the father. We never meet the father. He's apparently dead. Yeah. Like, he's mentioned twice and both times of the stepmother saying, I married your father for his money. Oh. And that's it. And mm. it's sort of like, why show us the coat? Why rip up this coat in front of us? Sure. Well, I guess do it at the same time to show that the father is dead and also show that the mother is ruthless. Yeah, but like, it was like such a moment. I don't know. I don't know. That's just one of my little things. That is interesting. Um, I will say the whole thing started off with um, Cinderella singing and I can't remember the exact line, but the opening line of the song is like, Cinderella singing in the woods and she's singing, I wish the world was as nice as it looks. Okay. And it was just like, it was like you mentioned in the in, the, in another episode, it was just a very simple line, but it was like, ah, yeah. 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 I was, and I was ready for it. To, it was like, yeah, that's a really, really nice line. I guess and then you were hoping the Batman would turn up <laughs> and beat her out. No, no, no. Um, he beat her out. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm Batman. Punch, punch, punch. I killed your dad. <laughs> See, that's what they cut. That's why the father was in there. Okay, I don't know, man. I think most of my issues were the original story of Cinderella, which, you know... Like, there's a moment in this where... Okay, here's, here's why I was going to talk about Jafar. There is an evil advisor that yeah. advises the prince and is so obviously evil. Oh. And, okay, so, okay, to talk about this, I need to discuss my major issue with this production. Everybody has American accents. It's, oh. it's just another classic, everybody talks like this all the time. Oh. Like, they all have American accents. Okay. And it's just... Once again, one of these things of, why are we doing this? Yeah. And why wouldn't you go British? British is fancy. Why? Well, why wouldn't you go British? <laughs> the reason they didn't go British is because the evil advisor has a British accent. Because oh. he's one of the queer-coded Jafar characters. Oh, fantastic. And he was just like someone had taken Jafar and dressed him up differently and put him on stage. Oh. It well, was... it could have been him. I've only seen the first Aladdin, but he gets just put in that pot and then thrown away. Maybe he got out of the pot Maybe and decided to be in a shot. <laughs> it could have been him. It was to the point where he was like th saying things like, he was like, 
Oh, I'm going to talk like this now, and then I'm going to evilly walk over here. Um, and he had some great lines. And this is he the same character that thinks the prince is giving a ball? Is he the same guy? No. Okay, so that character who actually I want to give a quick shout out to Daniel Bell, yeah. who played Lord Pinkleton. He has the most incredible voice right. in this production, at least mm. the most incredible. <laughs> no, I just <laughs> this character yes. played by this. Um, so he's the one that's saying the prince is giving a ball, but he has this beautiful. Mm. He, he like he's clearly a trained opera singer. Like he's just right. oh so good. Mm. Um, and no, so he sings that. That's good because if I had someone in my town like going around shouting news at me, I'd, I'd want, want it, it to be, be pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but no, the prince is played by um, Ainsley Mellum. Oh, great. From Aladdin. From Aladdin. Yeah. And I've got to say, Ainsley Mellum is all of it. He's the full package. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. And he, I think, I, was, I saw this with my sister. Mm. Um, I, I, Kate and I were talking after the show and um, we were discussing the reason we liked him so much. One of them was because he was the only one that behaved like a human being. Oh, okay. <laughs> Like, he was the only one that was sort of like... I don't know, the way he sort of had conversations was like, that's just how a normal human being talks, but right. it's really great. Mm. Um, beautiful voice that goes without being said. But every other character had to sort of play in this sort of... I don't know, it felt almost like someone had taken a production from the 1930s and mm. put it on stage. It was like very, I'm going to say this line now, and then you're going to say that line. But he was the only one going, oh, well, I guess I could... Uh, mm, uh, 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 like was, You know? Oh, sure. Yeah. Do you think, was there any level of like... Because my mind goes to like when they stage... Because it was it Opera Australia that did this production? Yes, it was. So it was like, I feel like some of it, even like hearing that they were going to do this production, part of me felt like, oh, is this going to be one of those like museum pieces? Like when they staged My Fair Lady a few years ago, where it's like people go to this production and they mm. stage this production wanting it to feel like something that could be lifted from the time where and it was first maybe conceived. it was. But that's, like, that's then interesting though, if they've made that decision, which I'm sure they probably did, mm. like on top of Ainsley's talent, there's also the thing of like, maybe they wanted the prince to seem at odds with the style of the rest of the show in order to convey that he's like a different type of prince. Sure. Yeah, no, and that totally, that would have that would have worked because that's so much of a pl- the plot isn't it it's like the prince being like what do you mean i have to just marry some woman that i meet at a dance okay well this is the what? way it's written is just it's all over the place like yeah it just seems weird to not pre- present the issues of the classic issues of cinderella of like if you can't recognize a woman when she's wearing different clothes mm-hmm. you probably should not be with that woman <laughs> like that seems like a red flag to me okay and they don't address that at all like they don't try because, and but you're a real sucker for like and this isn't a negative thing Go you like you like like Meta theatrics, you like self referential, yep. like intratextual, like. Yeah, yeah, I do. You like it when a play is like, this play is pretty stupid. Yep, I do. I do like that <laughs> you often. You do like often that. Often like that. Yeah, yeah. This play didn't have any of that. Right. See, which I I would appreciate because I, yes. I like my fairy tales fairy tale y. <laughs> sure, I think, I think my major issue was the American accents completely, completely took me out of it. Yeah. Um, the, and, and yeah, the, the introduction of Jean Michel and trying to sort of make the princess be like, okay, to put, to summarize it for you, the mm. play ended with. The solution was... Abortion rights. <laughs> oh, no, no. They locked them up even tighter. No, no, no. The solution was a democratic election to find a prime minister. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. That's fun. No, no. That's what the kids want. And we don't even see the election happen. But that's what I'm here for. We see the prime minister get a little necklace, which we think means Jean-Michel is the new prime minister. Oh, Jean-Michel becomes the prime minister. Wait, the- Jean-Michel has the idea to be to, to get a prime minister and then he becomes the prime minister? Yeah, because the prince is like, I'm going to put you in for the election. It's like, I guess that's how that works. This is what I mean, Jake. The, the, it, it, it just feels like it's got shoehorned bits in to be like, also democracy. Is this because, like, Twitter and Instagram and stuff has been... Is it just the social dilemma? Where at this point where it's like... 
people have learned that having like a positive political stance begets a lot of attention and approval and Maybe. now art is turning into this thing where it's like we want people to clap as much as possible Maybe. and the internet has taught us that if we're like human rights Woke. are important then people will like our play as well Maybe because it was not a well made political story it was just a very oh. basic sort of hey prince I'm Cinderella you need to listen to the people and, and then okay so at one point the evil Jafar character has been yes. using the prince's ring to sign to like stamp pe- like letters in the background like he goes prince, I have your <laughs> ring. he takes the ring off the prince and stamps all the letters with this little ring why is that the system this is what I mean okay so he stamps all the little letters and then <laughs> this town needs a prime minister he gives, <laughs> he gives the ring back to the prince and then later on when the prince is sort of like I'm gonna stand up for myself he doesn't give the ring to the to the to the vizier and takes the pages and reads what he's been signing all this time and he yeah. goes how could you be doing this we never find out what that was oh I wanna know that story are they killing babies yeah I don't know Oh, Maybe. Okay. Does Jafar have a baby pit? <laughs> Trigger warning, baby death. <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah, I choose to believe that, yes, he was all this time murdering babies because we're never told he's not. That's absurd. Focus on that. Focus on that. The darkness of Jafar. Quack, quack. Like, <laughs> all of that. I don't know. Um, that is fucking absurd to me. Just to, just to backtrack a little, who's going to Cinderella being like, I hope they get political? <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly that it felt, and that is what it was. It felt so out of left field. The intro was wonderful. It started off with this really fun camp scene of the prince fighting off a dragon, and they're all meeting and they're all having a good time. The costumes are amazing. Got a quick. Um, I don't know if if this is just a lift from the Broadway production or if it is a fully redesigned uh, costumes, but mm. they're incredible. Great. It, the the Broadway production won uh, best Tony for costumes. Cool. So. I think it might have been the original, but it's just like so good. Mm. So when they all come out there at the start, they're all prancing about. It's, I was really, really excited. Mm. And then along comes John, John Michelle, mm. and very loudly says, "I'm going to take her on a date to work in the soup kitchen." In that sort of accent as oh, well. Okay. And it was, just, it was just immediately, oh, it's gonna have this element mm. to it. Okay, sure. Which just really annoyed me. Anywho, oh, God. Like I said, I saw it with my sister Kate, and Kate has been living in London for the past six years or so. Yeah. So she she said halfway through Act One or something, she whispered to me, God, I wish this was a pantomime. Mm. And it made me think, you hate pantomimes, don't you, Jake? If I'm in the mood, I can get through it. <laughs> oh good. It also depends on the audience, like what's the kid ratio? This one had a few. A few kids. A few kids. But but Kate was pointing out she living in London, she has been to see some like genuine like, pantomime. Pantomime. Genuine pantomime. <laughs> um, and it sort of made me realise, yeah, this would be better if it was like a pantomime. Because it felt stuffy. It mm. felt like they go, here's our fantastic version of the of the, the fairy godmother coming in. And look, she's on a, she's flying and it's amazing. And mm. there was a pause where there was like, a, they put a pause in for some applause. And we all went, oh, yep. Okay, there she is. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, but if we'd been able to go like, I don't know. It's behind you! It would have felt... I don't know. That's how I shout James, to my... you and I are so different. No, and here's what it felt because those pauses all came along and yeah. there were so many good moments of like, this is meant to be shouted at. Like, yeah, right. If we were having a rowdy few drinks and like here with some fun families and just watching the show, it would have been a hoot. Yeah. Why isn't this fun? What? And this leads me on to my next point. The cast was amazing. Yeah. All the performers were terrific. Mm. And it was sh- it was so obvious they were so great. And there were so many moments of like, you're trapped in this bullshit. Oh. Like, I want to see you have fun. Yeah. And it was, there were moments when you could see characters were allowed to have fun. And that's why Jafar was fun. Mm. The fairy godmother was fun. The stepmother was the most fun. Because they were able to sort of be these fun characters delivering these silly, like, little bits on yeah. the side. I don't know. God. I don't want to see Jean-Michel try and take the, uh, one of the stepdaughters on a date. Yeah. Ugh. God, that is. I imagine that would be like especially 
Because I think especially lately, I, I, lately I've really just wanted fun from stuff. Yep. Um, and yeah, it, I feel like it would feel especially torturous and conspicuous, the lack of fun in something like a large scale, lavish fairy tale yes, musical. Yes, absolutely. And you're seeing these people, as you say, not getting to have fun. In not that getting situation. to have fun. That's maybe the funnest place you can be. Yeah. In a fairy tale universe with singing in it? Like, you, you, you could not make it better. And you're talking about democracy. Democracy? Uh, and there was a scene where they uh, they go to the ball. Don't know if you know, there's a ball in Cinderella. Yeah. Uh, and Cinderella turns up to the ball. I'll talk about Cinderella in a moment. Uh-huh. So they get to the ball and there's this thing that's in at the moment that they're all doing. It's called like, um, uh, I don't know what it's called. but The samba. <laughs> no, it's not a dance. It's like Macarena. reading each other. It's, it's being, it's like being passive aggressive and making comments at each other and sort of like being mean to each other. Wait, what do you mean? It, that's the trendy thing at the moment. Yes. Yeah, it, they call it... It's like insulting each other but in a, like a classy way. Cuntiness. So they, basically, they get two people up and they're like, oh, I love that dress. I love it every time I see it. You know, like things like that. Wait, so it's like a structured thing where it's like, okay, now it's your turn to stand on this podium and we're mm-hmm. going to tear you yes. apart. It's like a roast. It's a basically a roast. Cinderella goes to the ball. Cinderella goes to the ball and they pull up Cinderella to do it and she says things like, I love your hair. I really wish I could do my hair as good as you. And like all these things that are like just genuinely, and everyone goes, oh, oh, you're not being mean. It was the most mind numbingly banal <laughs> bullshit. Mm. Oh, it made me angry. And she's going like, oh, I love your dress. You look so pretty. And everyone's going, wow, I'm going to start being nice too. And they all start being nice to each other. And it was this big character moment. And it just made me feel so ballsless and so angry. Jesus Christ. Two things. Go on. One, that does not make Cinderella a more likable person. It makes her more hateable. It makes her more hateable because that also... And this is the second thing. Niceness. It's not interesting. I yell about this so often. Nice, etymologically, is tied to ignorance. Okay? Mm. Being nice, when people list someone's qualities as like... If the top three quality is nice, you are inherently, I believe, calling them ignorant in the sense of they're choosing not to engage with reality to an extent that makes them forgettable. (laughs) Okay? okay, I'm really glad you said that because here's the thing. Shubshree Kandia, who played Cinderella. Yeah. Clearly an incredible performer. She's got an amazing voice. She can dance. She's stunning. I could not tell you a single thing about what Cinderella did in this show. Oh. She suffered from... It was the, it was the writing. She suffered from main character. Uh, main character syndrome. Okay. She, Which she was just, just like carried through the plot. She, exactly that. She oh. was so vague and so sort of like... Did she want anything? What did she want? I don't know. She wanted... What did she want? She wanted to... Was she excited to be like a princess? Was she no, like... she wasn't excited to be a princess at did all because... Did she want to go to the ball? Or, she, or was like... She wanted to go to the ball. Okay. For a reason? She just likes to dance. She, she wanted to go to a... I can't even remember why she wanted to go to the ball. Okay. She wanted to go to the ball. She did. Well, well, oh, so, well wait, because I'm forgetting that I know the musical. So yeah. she still sings that own little corner where she's like, I'm lonely and sad. Which again, doesn't really say much. It just says no. she's lonely and sad. Does, does Cinderella in this musical have an I want song? She kind of has... Does she have any of like the duets with the prince at the start? Okay, okay. Does she have that like somewhere for me where she's like the Maybe. sweetest love in all the world? That song. Okay, here's another thing about the show. Yeah. I can't. I, can't, I don't remember a single song from it. They were all the most forgettable, oh. basic musical songs I've ever heard. Oh god. Okay. It was sort of like, where's? It reminded me of. I used to do uh, track youth theatre when I was in uh, year six. Yeah. And this, the beats of this story and the way that all the songs are written felt like. All the plays that we used to do, which were written by, like, Ed Bailey, who was running the show. Mm. And, like, just these... these Written by local people and just put on by local kids for local audiences. Yeah. That's what this felt like. It was like, 
I'm gonna sing this chorus now, and mm. then you're gonna join in and we're gonna be in love. Okay. Like, that's what every song felt like to me. Oh. I couldn't tell you if she had a, du- if she had a duet with the prince. She must have. She mm. did. I couldn't tell you what that song was. God, that's amazing. Because, oh my God, because I've loved this musical for so long. Why? As with, oh, well, as with so many people, I encountered like the TV version of the musical okay. when I was like at the right age for it. And sure. I was just like, the fucking, have you seen it? No. It's... One of the best movies that I've ever seen in my life. And I don't think that's just nostalgia informing it. It's like, it's a ro- like I love Rogers and Hammerstein. Mm. And the music, I think, is really, really beautiful. Brandy plays Cinderella. Whitney Houston is the fairy godmother. Oh, this production. Okay. Yeah. Bernadette Peters is the evil stepmother. Oh. It's oh. bonkers in the honkers. Okay. It's incredible. That. So that um, sounds, you know what that sounds like? Fun. That sounds like so fun. fucking fun. Yeah. It's like even for reasons of like it was all just like like what's the term for it? It's like colorblind casting. It's like yeah. a black and a white queen and king having yeah, an man. Asian son. It was like in so many ways like very surprising and progressive. And it as you yeah as we were saying like it's super duper fun the entire yeah. time. Yep. It's so enjoyable and it bops along and then it therefore became my dream to get to play Prince Charming in a production of it, which then happened and it was in like oh. the Bo Morris Theatre Company's production of Cinderella. Oh my god. Of Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella. Oh my god. And yeah. Got these. So I have. I'm very like. Like intimately like sure, just sure. in love with the especially the score I think the songs are so beautiful really I'm yeah. sorry Jake I no, know we're talking sorry. about the same production no, but no, to but me that's... it was just oh. yeah no I get that it's just like sad to me that I don't know it may not be that this production might not be the reason that someone else falls in love with some of these songs yeah because some of the especially like the love duets I think are really nice some of the songs really feel like especially like the 10 minutes ago song that was in this because I, I read, oh, read I just feel like that song to me sounds like oh I don't know, we were talking about love just before we started recording. Mm. But it's like, it makes me feel like the... Like this, this beautiful, simple, lovely, open, warm idea of what romantic love can feel like. Yeah, and that's, yeah. The sound but, of that song is almost that feeling. And I think this is another situation where you and I are just very different. Because I also just resent fairy tales because I disagree with the way they present love. I think that's not real. Sure. I don't think that's ever real. I think that's made up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it feels, to see it done like that on stage, feels like... You are such two-dimensional characters that I cannot find a single thing about you I like. What's he loving? And yeah. it's just how nice you look. As the Swan Princess taught us, that's not a reason to love someone. And I think one of the songs he sings is like, are you beautiful because I love you? Or do I love yes. you because you're beautiful? So or like, are you really as beautiful as you seem? a weird thing to say, Prince. Sure. That to me just feels... That is another red flag for me. <clears throat> Most of the show was a series of red flags. Sure. I think I should have. it should have been more... Opera Australia, yeah, less commercial musical and more fairy tale. My God, more fairy tale. Yeah, it's like everything is so sad at the moment. Everything yes. sucks. Yeah, everyone's especially, again, especially theatre going audiences are like inherent, like you know, traditionally speaking, like left leaning. Mm. Just like, and it's, oh my We're God. already on your side yeah, of like, politics. Yeah, like, who is this We for? don't need this. Like, let's just have fun for a second. Dance. Like, musical theatre, like, yeah. fairy tale musical theatre can't just be escapist beauty. Yeah. Like, why not? And I think maybe if it was, like, they really lent into the full, lavish, beautiful, opulent, musical theatre, gorgeous vibe. Mm. I could have I could have gotten on board and, and, and been joined in, but because they tried to split it and have it both ways, I couldn't do it. Oh. Why are we... There are so few things that are just reminding us that things can be beautiful and lovely yep. and sweet. Yeah. Nothing is left saying that to us. Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, in conclusion, Cinderella... Oh. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like rimmed a fella. Cinderella sounds like rimmed a fella. Mm-hmm. Oh. Think about it. All right. Jake. Yes, James. Jake. Yeah, James, go ahead. 
What have you got in your little hand there? Oh, oh a little program. Oh, what's that program oh, for? I actually went to the theatre. Did you? Yeah. What did you, what did you see? <laughs> I saw Torch Song by Harvey Firestein. Harvey Firestein? I know that name. You do? Isn't Harvey Firestein like, think about that torch like this? He is that one. <laughs> yes. And it's not Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> no, I knew that Which one. Which somehow immediately feels like an elephant in the room anytime you <laughs> talk about Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. We're not condoning Harvey Weinstein's actions. No, we're happy to take that stance right now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like yeah. his narrative isn't changing anytime soon. <laughs> put a bow on that one. Uh, yeah, carry on. Okay, Harvey yeah. Firestein. Uh, yeah, so I went to the Brighton Theatre Company. Like, they, they have this beautiful theatre in Brighton. That does not surprise me, Jake. Oh my God. It was Brighton. Like, it was so nice. I went there. There was like a little A-frame at the front. What's wrong? Did you do all of Brighton? Did it? No. I've done all of Brighton. Oh God, I forgot that woman. You've got to get that topical reference in. Yeah, very topical. Yep. <laughs> Everyone knows what we're talking about. Yeah. And we will not elaborate. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, went there. There's like a, like a gallery out the front of it. Whereabouts is it like, in Brighton? I can't even describe okay, it. Okay. It's Brighton and you... <laughs> You, you go, go to Brighton. You go to Brighton. <laughs> and once you're there, you go here. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> you go inside, and it's like you. I was greeted by this like this, this very efficient seeming woman at this front desk, and she was like, "Are you here for the I'm gallery?" Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but What's if wrong? anyone ever just had met me briefly in life and described me to their friend as only efficient, mm-hmm. I don't know how I would feel about that. I don't want to assume. Like, I don't want to assume anything about this lady. All I got from her was the fact that like she didn't seem jazzed about my energy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Which most might, people nah, but it might be coming from a place of insecurity but I felt like I sort of like trundled into this theatre and she was like oh you're oh, trash <laughs> oh this'll be good <laughs> here's <What>? trouble <laughs> what does this idiot want yeah um so um so I went in there and she was like are you here for the gallery or the theatre and oh. I had no fucking idea there was a gallery there so I was like what? <laughs> Jake, this is what I mean with audience participation. It's a simple question. No. You say theater. No, because it was like, she was a little unclear in what she said. And I was like, I didn't want to mishear her and then invent us, like architecturally. Oh, the gallery sounds fun. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking what? about? Because it seemed too fantastical. You're, I'm in Brighton and there's a gallery attached to a theatre. That is so the least like, surprising huh? thing in the world. It's Brighton. That, that's fair. But yeah, no. So then I, yeah, I was like, oh, the theatre. Thank you. And she's like, great. Get over there. <laughs> so like, again, she did not seem into me at all. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, at an interval, I went into the gallery space. It's so beautiful in there. I saw this beautiful painting. I'm going to describe a painting to you. Yeah, good. On the podcast. <laughs> Love that a lot. Um, it's about sort of like A3 sized. It was like this painting of like a transparent sort of glass skull. And the skull itself was full of gold. Goldfish. And I just thought it was a painting. It was a painting. And I read this little like thing next to it, and he was talking about like the nature of consciousness. And I was like, that's an interesting way to think about the human experience. It's like a bunch of goldfish swimming around in a skull. I often feel like a bunch of goldfish swimming around in a skull. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, so that was my interval experience. Great interval. Um, yeah. So yeah, so got there, stood there, went inside, got a water from the bar. That was nice. Anyway, so the (laughs) it was a matinee. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. My goodness, you're brave. Thank you. Yes. Well, I had stuff to do that evening, and I really wanted to see Torch Song because I really, really like Torch Song as a play, which I'll get back to. Okay, great. But the I, whether or not this audience was indicative of the audience that generally goes to the Brighton Theatre Company productions, it was like literally anyone that was south of the age of sixty was literally just me. Yep. Two handsome guys that I saw, and then like three girls that seemed like they were friends with someone in the show. Classic. It was like, there was like an S Club 7's worth of people that weren't 50 yet, and everyone else was like That is to say seven people. Yes. (laughs) I measure groups in S Club 7's. How many S Club 7's is that? Is it half an S Club 7? It's like a baker's dozen. Two S Club 7's. (laughs) Did they sing Vengabus? That's the Venga Boys. Venga Boys. They sing the Venga Bus. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, which I, did, I didn't 
bring up when I saw Oopsie Daisy the other day. Remember that musical? Uh, yes, no, the, the, no, the, I remember. The, yeah, the comedy at the MC the, the MC showroom. He's pointing, but I'm you point, can't see where he's yeah, pointing. No, but I'm pointing towards the MC showroom. Okay. At interval, they just looped the Venga bus. <laughs> <laughs> that feels relevant. Why didn't you say that? I don't know why I didn't bring it up. Ask not for um, whom the Venga bus comes. It comes for thee. It comes for thee. Yeah, no, just over and over again. And it narratively made sense, but it's like, I'm just listening to the Venga bus on the right, Are they on a bus? Ah, I don't want to get into it. We See, can't talk about show. We've done. Okay, go on. Yeah, um... So I got there, and then I again. This is me very mindfully not making assumptions. But as I was sitting there in the front row, of course, uh-huh. uh, sitting there in the danger zone. In the danger zone. No one called it the danger zone. Thank God. For Thank that. God. And it wasn't a dangerous zone. It was a perfect zone. I'm so oh. glad I was where I was. Oh. Anyway, but well, but except for this one thing. Again, this is not me assuming anything about the wonderful generations that have come before us. But I was sitting there. <laughs> I was sitting there in the darkness. The show was about to begin. Quack quack. The, 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 quack quack. The lights start going down. Then they do the acknowledgement of country, where uh-huh. they talk about the indigenous people of the land, the Wurundjeri people. Oh, and dear, I see where this is going. Yeah, yeah. the sovereignty was never ceded. During this announcement, the woman beside me turns to her friend. Uh-huh. These, these two older women. Uh-huh. Again, I'm not assuming anything about them. They could be married. I, I, I'm not a judgmental person. Uh-huh. I would never judge anybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you're going to go ahead. <laughs> but during this acknowledgement, she turns to her friend and goes, I'm sick of all this acknowledgement. <gasps> We're all Australian. <gasps> oh, oh no! Like, oh no! Bitch, that's <laughs> that's not. Oh my god! Um, so anyway, that's the thing that I was just like, that's. Because <laughs> I'm gonna say I've never heard anybody like I've never heard anybody interrupt or say anything about the acknowledgement of country. Like no one's ever yeah. done that because that's a bad thing to do. And maybe I shouldn't have brought that up, but it was just it's a thing that I, I had to very much decide like. Okay, Jake, it's not as if I was ever going to say anything to her. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I need... You're not going to chum up with her anytime soon. No, no. Sir. But it was also the thing of like, I'm about to watch a play. I, I need to forget that just happened. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, wow. that's all I'll be thinking okay. about. But that I thought was like, interesting. Anyway, Torch Song. Yeah. Uh, directed by Annie Blood. Terrifying name. Oh my God. Yeah. I need blood. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have to be human? Fake <laughs> <laughs> moon. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. So I was excited to see this show because I have loved Torch Song for a really long time. I, I need you to talk to me about Torch Song. I know nothing. And I, I find it interesting that Harvey Firestein has written this. Sure. Yeah. Um, Torch Song. So it was written by Harvey Firestein and then he was in it. Ugh. Like when? When are we talking? The 80s? Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the play itself is in three pieces. And so like act one, part one is in 1974. Act one, part two is 1975. And then act two, which happened after interval, uh, happens in 1980. Wait, act two. So there's, there's two acts with three parts. It's a trilogy. Yep. With two acts. Yep. Like it's referred to as a trilogy by people that are not me. It's not me misunderstanding what a trilogy no, is. No, 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 I know it's that. A, I'm just no, trying no, to I'm, it together. I'm not, I'm not trying to sound like you're attacking me. <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe you are. <laughs> Maybe you should. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're an idiot that thinks three means two. Um, yes. So, as I said earlier, I was very grateful that I was at the front. Yes. Even alongside my controversial chum. <laughs> I'm um, grateful because uh, it's. I want to starts... know more about her. Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I wonder what her story is. Probably not very interesting. Um, oh, uh, that, mm, mm. Um, yes. Well, I was yeah immediately grateful for being at the very front of this thing because as Blake Stringer like took to the stage, who's playing Arnold like the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, he has this like long monologue that opens the piece. It's like him sitting at like a dressing room table backstage at a drag show that he was performing in. Oh god. Yeah, and like sort of remove like removing his makeup and like doing this monologue about love. 
and whatnot. And uh, just the, the, the way, like the, the type of performer he was as the show continued to prove and his performance continued to be impressive. It was like, oh, I'm so grateful that I get to be like close to him and see and see what he gets up to. In a similar way with Sebastiano and Zoe yeah. last year in Stopover. It was like, it was so great to be this close to a person who's doing such intricate things with their performance. Heaven on Earth. Heaven on Earth. You're in there. Heaven on Earth. In there the name, which is, that is the name of the musical in Smash that we never really see much of. Except Heaven for on the, Earth. Heaven on Earth. Everything, the, the plot is never described to us, but Ivy Lynn plays an angel, performs drunk once, huh. and then somehow still has a career on Broadway. Anyway. I want to <laughs> see that. Um, were they talking about turning the musical from Smash into an actual musical? Absolutely. A number of times. And then I kept like researching it as often as I could. Of course. In the same way that I'm waiting for the next Tom Six movie to come out. Who's but Tom it, Six? Tom Six created The Human Centipede. Okay. We can move on. The franchise, not the, the beast itself. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Hey, I'm not, I'm not asking questions. Anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then the play proceeds to be about kind of like... Arnold dealing with his, like, misery because, you know, he's gay, so he's oh, sad. Oh, gotta be sad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's sort of, like, on-again, off-again, confusing relationship with Ed, played by Lee Roncon. 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 It's a great name. Roncon. And also a fun idea for a convention. <laughs> a convention of Ron. Ron's. <laughs> what Ron's are we talking about? Um, well, what is it? Ronald McDonald is an option. I'm thinking of Ron Weasley. Sorry. Ron Weasley. Yep. Are there any other Ron's? Ron Rhonda Birchmore. Rhonda Birchmore. So yeah, Ron yeah, Con. Ron's. Yeah, Ron yeah. Con. Get okay. them all in. Oh my god. Yeah, I'd go to Rhonda Birchmore convention. I love making fun of Ron Con's name. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he was great. But yes, no. So then, yeah, the play continues to be about that. And uh, so Ed, who is like played by Ron Con, <laughs> um, <laughs> their the relationship is conveyed as being kind of like rocky and strange. And then sort of like this instigating thing is like. Ed has started dating a woman. Oh. And it's like, huh? What? Yeah, so they have to sort of cope with that. You know how dramatic tension works and whatnot. Yeah. And during that exchange, which occurs over the phone, that's when it really sort of hammered home that I was like, again, so grateful to be so close to these performers. Over the phone. It was like, it happened on the phone. It was like a phone conversation. Oh, in the show. I thought you meant, for some reason, I don't know why, I thought you meant you were on the phone to someone. Like act two was entirely a phone conversation? Well, yeah. Like, yeah, that's kinda... very Fringe Festival. Maybe that's something you should or do. Pick up the phone. Okay, pick up the phone. That's nice. Yes, it could be like a like a like a fun take on Phone Booth, starring Colin Farrell, which is a movie you. Oh, saw. I have seen that. Actually. Really? Yes, yes, because he was in the phone booth with the sniper. He was in the phone booth, and, and the, like, the sniper was like, "I'm was, gonna shoot you. Here's some pizza." Yeah, don't you hang up. Don't, don't you dare hang up. <laughs> and then he hang up. I I forget what the stakes of it. Like, what? Are you, that's it's a movie length. You hang up, and it can't just it's be. Movie... Don't you hang up, or I'll shoot you in the face. I think it's about. I think they're secretly like robbing a bank across the street or something. And how is it helpful to have Colin I Farrell think, on I the phone? I think it's like. No, I'm making that up. I'm thinking of Blood Diamond. I have no idea. <laughs> is Blood Diamond a movie? That one that had a Blood Diamond in it. Yeah, the Leonardo DiCaprio. Maybe I'm doing. Yeah. Really yeah. here. Let's move on. Anyway, so oh, so I need to bring up. Go on. <laughs> so. That, that sort of fun conversation, that establishment thing, that there's like some nightclub scenes, that all happens in like Act 1, Part 1. Act 1, Part 2. Yes. Which, because I read this play when I was like 19, and I was like, I was immediately in love with it because it was just like kind of one of my first experiences of even seeing like gay theatre written down, mm -hmm. you know? And it was like, it was this interesting experience of like, I remember loving this play, I don't remember why, I haven't really read it since. It'll be interesting to see if like, ne like nowadays Jake and like 19-year-old Jake 
still have much in common with each other. Oh, yeah. You know him? <laughs> and did they? We're all waiting. Oh, I, I'm reflecting upon it. I'm not sure. And I also don't know what I want the answer to be. <laughs> okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to get into this on the podcast? I, I'm still getting into it in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> what mind? Um. Fugue in a Nursery is the name of Act 1, Part 2. Oh my god. Um, it happens when, like, the four of them go away on a holiday. So it's, like, Arnold and Ed. Mm-hmm. And, like, the girl that Ed is dating, Laurel, played by Sophie Dado Langlois. Oh. It's spelt Langlois. How would you pronounce that? I would say Langlois, but I'd probably be wrong. Langlois. Lang- Sophie. <laughs> Sorry, Sophie. So- <laughs> yeah, another right. great addition. Like, his cast was so lovely. And... Alan, who is like Arnold's, the guy that Arnold is dating at the time, played by Joel Dow. Okay, right. Which, okay, first off, I'll describe the set before I get obsessed about Joel. So, <laughs> um, so something big. Part, act one, part one ends. Was it a big piece of beef? Because you love beef. Oh, if they wheeled out some beef, oh my God. <laughs> I would have beefed all over the place. <laughs> um, this country song starts. Like this, <laughs> like like these line dancey, sultry, steamy, like I'm a cowboy with feelings and I like to Your dance. Your favorite thing in the world. <laughs> the best genre of yes. music. Okay. That starts happening in a blackout. You see a bunch of like in a blackout like, as in you're drunk. No, because <laughs> I remember it so vividly. <laughs> um, all of these like stagehands and whatnot scurry in in the darkness like cockroaches, and they start sort of like. Like pulling this curtain back and then spinning this monolithic set piece around and oh it's like God. literally what the fuck is happening so this beautiful song is playing this mysterious rectangle is getting wheeled in a circle I'm like you guys there's no one around me to like grab the knee of and be like fuck fuck grab your friend who hates the indigenous people <laughs> ma'am I know you're racist but I'm really excited about this and the lights come up and it's like Remember, like, the bed from Rocky Horror that Craig McLaughlin was in? Oh, Not to bring up another controversial figure. No, no, it's good. Mm. Craig McLaughlin and a bed. This is a good episode. (laughs) Um, um, So it's like a stand-up... You imagine, like, a a rectangle of, like, uh, like vertical wood. Man? Yes, I I remember, and you might not want to keep this in the episode, but I remember when you and I went to see Rocky Horror with our respective... Dates to that event Yes And we both All got photos In that prop bed Yes So there's beautiful ones Of you and David And then there's Ones of me And the person I was on a date with Who was having the first date Having a very awkward time In that bed Who were you there with? Oh Who Oh (laughs) Oh my Don't remember This is the (laughs) The thinking music While James thinks about The person he forgot He used to date I don't know It was one date We went on one date And I can't remember But it was Yeah Yeah, That's my memory of that bed Sorry (laughs) No, that's fine. So yeah, it's like a vertical <laughs> vertical bed. Th- so it's like a big background piece of wood. And then in front of it... So this is me now describing the literal one that was in Torch Song. And then it's like another piece of wood in front of it. Yes. So it's these two, free, like, these two standing up parallel pieces of wood. The yes. front one a little bit shorter. And on the front of that square of wood... <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I'm neither a carpenter... This is incredible no, You need to know what this looked like. And it's like stapled like the blanket of the bed that they I'm going to assume our audience is wise enough to know what you're describing. Imagine you've taken a bed. Yeah. You've propped it up. Okay. <laughs> and now... Gravity doesn't work they are, the bed. They are somehow able to stand between the back and the front pieces of wood. <laughs> Oh god, this might have to be a two-parter this episode. 
<laughs> two and parts he, in three episodes. <laughs> and here is the miraculous part. So the two people that are in bed together are standing up there, talking to each other in, as if they're in bed. Yep. Then what magically can happen... Wait, wait, wait. As, in, as if they're in bed? You motherfucker. What do you mean? They're there. And then what's magical about this whole thing is they can just bop down... And then two other people can pop up. So it's oh. like a little hidden platform inside oh. where they can just like be boppy heads. That I'm you... into that. It's amazing. That's fun. Oh my God. Is that like the entire second part? The entire second part was heads bopping up and down in this magical bed. Sounds like a which good I was Friday into. night. Partially. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, part of what was miraculous about this segment of the play was Joel Dow. Joel. <laughs> Joel Dow blew my damn mind. Joel. <laughs> Joel was the boy on the date. Joel. Jo- Joel. Joseph. Oh. Joseph, maybe. Carry is, on. Is the one you got photographed with at Rocky yeah, Horror. I think. You think his name was Joseph. Joel or Joseph. Oh. Soulmate, no doubt. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> um, so Joel Dow, he's like 18 apparently. This is all going off bios in the program, which I assume is not just guesses. And makes vigorous stalking. <laughs> Recently graduated from high school, is now in this the <laughs> production. His performance was so entrancing because he somehow managed to be really, really funny. Which Harvey Firestein helped him with. Yes, yes. <laughs> but he was so like delightful in the way that he kind of managed to sort of embody sweetness and naivety and kind of like like the electrical freeness of a young doofus. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was so super just like wildly endearing, and I just like spent the whole time watching his line deliveries, just like. Smiling like a drunk donkey. I was just like, this in a, is. In a very similar way, I, I very much enjoyed watching you describe this because it's like. <laughs> Sometimes when you speak, Jay. Yes, James, go ahead. It's just, I don't know, it feels like the words come out before your brain's ready for them to happen. Oh, good, good. <laughs> um, but yes, I want Joel Dow to keep being an actor so I can keep seeing him and stuff. He's very. The fact that he's this like exciting and cool um, at 18 or 19, whatever he is, I. Um, I just, yeah. It was just cool to see someone with such with seemingly like natural. It's nice seeing talent. young young actors like that be good. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to, yeah. My, my good on you, Joel. My mouth made me want to talk about him. Yes. Um. Anyway, yeah. So, <laughs> all that is to say, so uh-huh. Joel is magnificent. Yes. Interval occurs. Part one and two are done. Mm-hmm. Act two is on its way. Which is part three. Which is yes. Okay, <laughs> um, yes. And in the meantime, I of course have interval. I come back. I sit down. I'm excited. Can't wait to see the gang, especially Joel again, because yep. again he's fantastic. Yep. The lights come up. We're in a living room. There's a picture of Joel sitting in, on like a little like little mantle. Oh, they killed him. Well, it's like <laughs> so. I'm like, oh, that's good. That that actor I'm excited to see again. That's a little picture of him. That's so a memorial. This must be his house. Um, uh-huh. in a way it is, <laughs> in that that's where his shrine is, no! <laughs> because he's dead now. Do you remember that? What? I No, I didn't no, remember okay, that. Sure, no, sure. and I was just like, I for as long as I could, I held on to the belief that he was still alive. <laughs> but it was like, Until no. Until they said, this character's dead. Until they were like, he was gay-bashed to death. Oh my god. Yes. Uh, it was that or AIDS. It was, uh, <laughs> like, those are the choices. Those are the choices. But yeah, no, they did, oh my god. god yeah. gay-bashed to death. Gay-bashed to death like Jake Gyllenhaal in Brokeback Mountain. Was Jake Gyllenhaal gay-bashed to death? Gay-bashed to death. In Brokeback Mountain. Yes. I've not seen that movie, so I did not know that's how it ended. It's conveyed Spoiler in this... Spoiler alert, Oh my everyone. god, sorry if I ruined Brokeback Mountain. That's fine. But oh my god, it's conveyed in that beautiful scene, which, oh my god, with Anne Hathaway wearing that perfect blonde wig, and it has this really dramatic close-up of her on the phone, and she's mm. like, Jake Gyllenhaal, and she tells this like lie story about like, he was fixing a tar on his car, and the car exploded, and he died. <laughs> in the coolest, straightest way ever. Yeah, but everyone just like knows that he was like, you know... 
gay bash to death. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, devastating. And does Heath Ledger cope? Not quite. Well, as much as he likes Kate Mara, it's not enough to get him through. Yeah, does he run away? Does Heath Ledger run away? Yeah. Well, by that point, they're not together anymore because oh. it's too hard. So he's running away from himself. Mm-hmm. They, well, they kind of both were the whole time. Oh. oh my god. And then they fucked in a tent. Well, because a couple of high altitude fucks once a year isn't enough. It's not enough. To paraphrase Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Which I spend most of my life doing, honestly. I can't, I'll get lost in this movie if we keep talking yes, about it. Yes, enough. so yeah. So Joel's dead. And that <laughs> was a real splinter in the eye. <laughs> but, but, what we did get what about it? to. <laughs> what about but? But. <laughs> um. So where it's sort of like vaguely a little bit in the future and Arnold has sort of like adopted kind of this wayward youth um, played by John Morgan, who another incre- incredible performer. He seems to have come from the like the Pixar school of acting oh. just in the way that his like face and body function, which was really impressive to me. What does that mean? It means that he has this like, like strong little frame and this very expressive face. And he just kind of bounced around the place. Like, if you imagine... Like, I didn't see that Pixar movie where, like, I think one boy's a mermaid and the other one's gay for him. Luca! Luca. Yes. <laughs> the way that even in the, in the trailers, they're just sort of, like, bounding around They're Italy? both mermaids. Are they? Yeah. Oh. What's the conflict? The conflict is they both want to be on land, but, but the land is a dangerous place for mermaids to be. Oh. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so it's like a gay aquamarine. I'm going to go ahead and spoil this for you, Jake. There's yeah. no gayness in that movie. They very purposefully go out of their way to be like, no, it's not gay. I mean, it is. But like Disney have gone out on their little homophobic perch and said, no. Okay. Well, imagine. Gay mermaids aside. <laughs> yes, gay mermaids aside. Strip, take one of those characters, rip the mermaid them away. <laughs> Horrible. Uh, and then plonk them on stage at in Brighton. <laughs> okay. And that's you'll that'll give you an idea of what was so magical about John Morgan's performance. And so then what proceeds to happen is like we get visited by the mother, played by played wonderfully by Elaine Wright. Um, so that yeah, she's coming in to play Arnold's mother. And then there's just kind of this thing of like, will Arnold and Ed get back together because they've kind of had this long-standing gay friendship. Um, mm. And is, is Arnold going to raise this, raise this child alone? Will his mother finally accept him? How much does that matter in terms of his long-term happiness? Yep. Um, yeah, and that's kind of... How much of that is resolved, can I ask? Or is it one of those ones that's left sort of... It's like a little up in the air in the mm. sense of like, it seems uh, it seems as if they will get together. It seems as if the mother isn't going to be okay with it. Um, <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's vague enough to kind of like leave you thinking about it as, a, as opposed to feeling like the story has concluded in yep. the way that I suppose is kind of like life. <laughs> like I'd say, especially in in those sort of like like ongoing complicated relationships. Like yeah. even if in the script they were explicitly like, yes, Arnold and Ed are going to commit to each other and raise this gay child. And the mother is like, this is perfect. I love that you have a son and I accept you all for all you are. Even with, because of like the history of all of these complicated friendships, you, you know that going forward, there's going to be more stuff that arises. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I guess when I was watching this show and right afterwards and thinking about like, what I, what about this show evokes something that I would want to talk to James about? Mm. And I suppose, yeah, it was kind of about like the closing, the, 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 the whole part two of the thing of like Arnold and Ed having this. Act two, part three. Act two, part, act two, just act two. Act two was just one part. Yes, the, the third portion of the trilogy that was in, in two Act parts. Two. Yes. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. The way of them having kind of like a romantic history together, them having kind of like a complicated friendship full of a lot of like betrayal and confusion. Um. Uh, but uh, but something about their affection for each other has stood the test of time. 
you know? Hmm. Whether or not it's just like the thing of, if they're, you know how some people think that if you're friends with someone for seven years, you're going to be friends forever? Which of sure. course is nonsense. Stupid thing to say. <laughs> Stupid thing to say. Um, but that that kind of, the, the inextricability of some connections. I think it's you just, know? yeah, I think it's, I guess it's just like familiarity. Like, like not to bring everything back to Will and Grace, mm-hmm. but I will. Yeah. Um, in like that revamp, revival they did of like those two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, doesn't Will like get back with that old man, not old man, but old... <laughs> Bobby Cannavale? Oh, is Bobby the firefighter? The, the dumb policeman? I, I can't remember which character it is. Vince. Maybe. I, I genuinely cannot remember. Okay. Um, but he gets back with like his old lover that he's sort of tossed and turned about doing it or not doing it. And then he mm. sort of says this thing about like, there's a history there that you can just rely on. You don't need to, you don't need to work on building this relationship back up from the ground. Mm. And I feel like as people get older, I definitely, as I have been getting older and older, mm. um, yeah, I could definitely see myself the idea of like going to someone just because you have a relied on history. Mm. Like that just doesn't seem tragic to me. That just seems like, yeah, I've sort of circled around and come back and that's fine. Yeah. In my past, I've been notorious for going back to ex-boyfriends. For what? The simple familiarity and the easy not having to really worry about, oh, what are they going to think? What are we going to do? But in terms of, like, mm. just for having sex with them or for, like, doing something yeah. boyfriendy for a while? Oh, sex, but also, like, like you know, like, hanging out, watching TV. Like, the sort of mm. relationshipy beats, I guess. I've done that before, and I think I could see myself in the future, like, that's not something that I don't that I imagine being impossible for me. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 What about you? Um, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I can't imagine what it's like to... Well, I can try to imagine it, but I don't know what it... To be a person, even, like, in your 40s or 50s or something, and to... Because I've spoken to some people that are, like, 50s and 60s about their romantic yearnings, mm. I guess. And, and ones that aren't in committed relationships. And gay guys and straight women are the only ones that I've really spoken to. Mm. But the way that... A lot of them talk about the fact that they don't either they don't need a person, or I think what's more interesting about what they say. I, I'm just thinking of like one woman in particular, and she just determined that like the love part of her life was over. Oh my god! And she seemed pretty resigned to it in a way that didn't make me feel like she was sad. Um, but I guess me being the current version of me. Can only see that as a tragedy. <laughs> well, like, I imagine, like for me at least, like I'm sure if she believes she's happy, she's I don't happy. Know. That but sounds I... like a tragedy to me in general. I think, like, and as you said, the, the, the current version of you, I think it's stupid to put any sort of boundary on your life. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, the familiarity thing makes sense, I suppose. Yeah, I guess priorities just shift, and yeah. when it comes to even thinking about getting like super old, like presuming that I, I get to do that, mm-hmm. like. It'd be nice to just have a person there that's always there. Yeah. Um, and not a carer. And not a carer. And I don't know. And maybe stuff shifts. Not that everyone's the same, but maybe stuff shifts. And like that's that becomes uh, not more magic. Oh, I don't know why I keep thinking about love and magic as synonyms. <laughs> because you kind of do think that, Jake. I, I am stupid. <laughs> I, um, I think of love as money. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I... I don't know, maybe given that I thought of this question, I should have a better answer. Not but, necessarily. Yeah, but the, yeah, the, the, the thought of two people that know each other very well in their older years turning to each other and being like, let's, yeah, let's like hold on to each other yeah. for a while. I mean, it's that classic thing of, 
hey, by the time we're both 30, if we're not with someone, do you want to get married? Like, that sort of the conversation you'd always have with your friends. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, I think it's, it harkens back to a very old sort of mm. fear of being lonely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even just, I don't know, like, some sort of acknowledgement that, like, your needs have changed. Mm. Like, no, like, not even your, like, hopes or your optimisms. Like, the things that you just, like, spiritually need in, in order for your, like, your heart to have any interest in continuing beating. My you goodness. know, like... The, the acknowledgement that like we weren't right for each other back then when things began or when things were in in the different stages they were in but mm. we've both turned into people that need exactly what we've always been able to give to each other yeah yeah and i feel like it's nice when you see that happen like when you do yeah. see two people click later on like that's nice that's like you've changed mm. you've both grown yeah relationships man relationships can't live with them Yes. <laughs> Nothing. No. Oh. Oh God! You provided oh, a Oh, you spicy mariachi dingus. <laughs> can we say mariachi? Is that um, a thing we can I say? Think, yeah. Well, I, I love mariachi. Of course. Well, what's not to love? Yeah, I think you can say it as long as you aren't saying you're stupid like a mariachi band. <laughs> we're gonna cut that bit, aren't we? No. <gasps> no. If you want to clip that out and use it to cancel me, do it. Do it. I invite you. I'd love the attention. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to take on the the Mexican. Community. Torch song! Okay! <laughs> Torch song! Yay! <laughs> yes. Bow, 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 bow! Jesus Christ. Fantastic. Yay! Do you like my little impression of the thing? Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Alrighty. Alright, what? <laughs> Good. We're wrapping up. That's We're wrapping up. Yeah, that was that was another episode of Praise Die and I said. Praise him! Praise him! Oh, here we are. Uh, Praise yeah, him. Yeah, God. Okay, before we go, is there anything else? You um, got something. Uh, oh, oh! Um, yes. That I have a show all of a sudden coming up. Um Very a show called Five Stars. It's gonna be on at Theatre Works. We open on the 15th of June. Oh my god, that's so soon. It is. 15th of June. Um, it's a play I wrote that we've now adapted with like me, Joel Beasley, and Dominic Weintrobe. Um, please come. It'll be super fun and strange. Mm. We're still working out what it is, but it promises to be like a, like a weird little little beast. So please come, because we're really already proud of it and excited of it and a oh. bit scared of it. So, oh. um, yeah, I think it'll be fun. So, I'll yeah. be there. James will be there. I'll be there in the front row. Don't let that deter you. He's not going to go every night. Come so near me. Spin the roulette wheel and maybe you won't have to run into him in the foyer. <laughs> it'll be a delight. It'll be a delight. But yeah, please come. It'll be so nice to see you there and talk about theatre um, and stuff. And also send us things. <laughs> oh yeah, additionally, yeah, separate to that. Yes, if you're doing a thing... Give us tickets to it. We'll come along and then we'll talk about it on this goddamn podcast you're this listening to. This is the podcast. To. It is. This is it. You're listening to it yeah. now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, great. James? Other than that, I guess, like, uh, just the usual. Friends don't let friends become theatre critics. They don't. They don't. Or playwrights, apparently. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And we may already disagree with everything we just said. There's a bit of hot mariachi content in this yes. episode. We probably don't agree with anymore. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I lied when I said I wanted to get cancelled. <laughs> I was lying. I'm terrified. Please don't bog me with my records. I swear to God. <laughs> That's them just outside the door. Um, praise Dionysus. Praise him. Praise him. Hi, hi, hi.